0: Good morning. My name is Wade. I'm one of the past. I'm the pastor at this church. And uh, um, before I begin my sermon, um, I just want to make f- say a few things about just the how great it is that we are a part of this church. Um, to be a part of a community like this means that our lives are uh, intertwined with each other. And um, if you're a member of this church, you have committed to not just this church, but to each other. And um, you know, we're going through this, uh, this season uh, in this church where there's a lot of transition. And one of the transitions uh, is a very happy transition. Uh, last week, we said that Nate and Tracy, they're going to take a leave from the church while, as they prepare for their baby who, that's coming in a few weeks. Um, they have carried a lot over the years. And as they, uh, as they get a much well-deserved break, uh, a lot of people have stepped up to... Uh, help in, in uh, with the areas that they have been carrying for, uh, for all these years. So um, they, they, they know that this is coming. So I'm going to ask uh, the, the helpers that have uh, stepped up to take the responsibilities, the admin responsibilities, as well as the music responsibilities. So um, it's uh, Anna, uh, Andrew, come on up here. Uh, Anna, Andrew, Robin, Dorothy, Jesselyn, uh, Marshall, Uh, David's leading music as well. Um, And we've got June and Gloria. Um, I don't know if you... I know that you guys are doing tech stuff. So um, do what you got to do. But come on up so those who are online can see. Um, You guys need to get in the shot so people can see you. All right. If you're you're following us online, uh, I'm behind the camera right now. Come on over. So come on... (laughs) Um, and we' also we're also missing um, Joanna she's helping with a B but June he, he has been doing aV for those who are watching online. You got to thank this guy because he has made this possible for, so June um, is doing aV he's also doing the audio uploads um, for, uh, on Sunday Sundays or Mondays. Andrew he, you're handling the volunteers. And uh, a lot of the logistics for for the volunteers. So thank you, Andrew. Um, Gloria, right here. Gloria is helping June with AV. So she's being trained right now by June, and uh, she is. handling handling the tech stuff, um, arriving early for setup. Jesslyn, she is doing music, so thank you, Jesslyn, you saw her. Um, Robin, she is handling the communications, so if you get the newsletter, she is the person behind the newsletter right now. Thanks, Robin. Um, Anna, she is handling the Sunday operations. Uh, A lot of stuff happens on Sunday um, mornings, Anna is handling that. Marshall, music leader. Marshall has been with the church since the very beginning. So thank you, Marshall and Dorothy off to the side I'm gonna I don't know if people can see you. Okay uh, Dorothy does not want to be on the live stream, but let me describe you to her. She is wearing a uh, dress <laughs> so, <laughs> Dor- Dorothy is uh, she is handling a lot of the administrative re- responsibilities a lot of the small things that people don't pay attention to she is handling those so um, uh, and then Joanna, she's also helping with AV. But I just wanted to let you guys know that these are the people that are doing so much for the church. So um, thank them when you get a chance. Honor them. And we would love for you to join us as well um, as we uh, are a church. So thank you guys. Uh, appreciate you. And for those who are watching online, we hope that you can join us in person um, so you can see these pe- meet these people in person. Thank you guys so much. All right, so um, we are going through Isaiah 42, and let's read the passage right now. If you're following online, this is going to be on your screen. This is on, in your bulletin or behind me if you're here in person. Isaiah 42, verses 1 through 10. Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. His praise from the end of the earth, you who go down to the sea and all that fills it, the coastlands and their inhabitants. This is the word of God. And this is the passage that we've been looking at for the past five weeks. Today is our final week in Isaiah 42. And I hope that as we've gone through it, we've, we've come to understand what God has to say to us through his word. So we've been going through the same passage. I've not done this before, but the same passage for multiple weeks. And here is a 60-second summary for those of us who haven't been here or uh, might need a reminder. So this is the Cliff Notes version. Jesus is the servant in this passage. He carries out his mission to make things right for the people of God and ultimately for the entire world in history. And there are two images we're given at the beginning of this passage. There is the bruised reed and there is the faintly smoldering wick. And these are the images of a people who are barely hanging out through their own sin and rebellion and also from the trauma of all that life has thrown at them. The servant notices the reed and the wick and with great love and tenderness he and compassion, he mends and restores this bruised reed who is about to break, but he will not break the reed. And then he cups his hands around the smoldering wick to protect it. And he blows life into it so that it will burn with a bright fire once again. The servant in this passage is committed to his ministry. Jesus is the covenant of God given to the people of God. And we as a people of God are defined by this covenant, this covenant that will not be broken. And we are equipped by God to do his ministry, just as the servant was equipped by God to do his ministry. And in these verses, God says that he will do new things in our lives and in this church. And God will do it for his glory, for his namesake, for his reputation, because his glory is the most important thing in the universe. And our healing and our rebuilding is everything that we do as a church. And as God does his work in this church... All of it should point back to God and be a testament to his goodness and wisdom and power. And this is what's happening in this passage. And I hope that we've been hearing this over the past several weeks, that God is doing a work here in this church. God is doing a work in our lives. And we've been going through the same passage for the past several weeks because I think that this is what our church needs to hear right now. That a bruised reed he will not break. A faintly smoldering wick he will not quench. A bruised and battered church he will not break. A staggering and discouraged indelible grace church he will not snuff out. And we started this series in a difficult spot. We were fully immersed in the pain and the uncertainty of the past season. And we are still in this but we're not going to be stuck here. Over the past several weeks, I've referenced the, the difficulties that we've been going through. And I've acknowledged that things are not great for us. But there is more to it. If you're sticking around, you're going to see more. Toward the end of this sermon, I'll be talking about something that we'll be doing together as a church next week. And next next week, the elders will um, be up here and they're going to share about a church-wide Bible study in the book of Nehemiah that we hope will remind us and teach us who we are as a church and where we should be headed and how we're going to get there together. So there is uh, what we're going to do next week and what we're going to do throughout the summer and uh, until the end of the year. Um, these are the plans that we have devised these are human plans, but we know that ultimately everything is up to the Lord the the mind of a man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. this is what the word says we can plan, but only God can direct us only God can bring to this church what this church needs. And if we are faithful in our calling as a church, if we submit to his word, and if we're sensitive to the spirit of God, then we can be aligned with what God wants for this church. And if you're a member of this church, if you're a member of this church, we're going to need you to be a part of this. So this is what's happening in this text, and this is what's happening in this church And now let's focus on the text. And as we look at the text, I want to begin with a question. When you think of adjectives to describe God, what comes to mind? You might think God is good, that God is holy, that He's loving, that He's compassionate, that He's powerful. When you think about God, what comes to mind? Have you ever considered this word as a way to describe God? Happy. That God is a happy God. Uh, You guys may know the song, Our God is an Awesome God. Um, What if it went this way? What if it went, Our God is a happy God. He smiles in heaven above with joy, pleasure, and love. Our God is a happy God. How often do you hear about God as the happy God? And yet this is true, the God we worship is a happy God. And what I want to do today is show us what it says about God, that He is a happy God. And what does it mean for us as a church that we serve a happy God? The title of today's sermon is Delighting in the Servant, and this is a reference to the first verse, Behold my servant whom I uphold. My chosen in whom my soul delights. We began this sermon series with a focus on the first word, behold. This is what the passage begins with, behold. And this means to gaze intently upon. It's not just glancing. It's not just looking. It's focusing your attention and your concentration on an object. And the point I hope... I made was that we need to behold Jesus. Because this is the command we see in this passage. Behold the servant spoken of in Isaiah 42. Not the leaders of this church, not the members of this church, not our denomination, not your favorite podcast, not your favorite band, but behold, gaze intently upon Jesus. Jesus. And as we do that, if we really pay attention, we'll see that the person that we behold is beautiful. Why are we told to behold the servant? I think the answer lies in the rest of verse 1. We're told to behold the servant because this is what God does. God beholds the servant and he delights in him the end of verse one, in whom my soul delights. And this is what we're focusing on today, that God delights in his son, the servant. So let me ask this question. What does it mean to delight? To delight in something is to find joy and pleasure in something. Think of the things that really capture your attention. Think of the things that really bring you happiness. It might be certain types of music or literature. It might be your favorite sports team. It might be green candlesticks on your trading platform, or your dogs, or your cats, or your favorite people. There are things in your life that bring you pleasure and happiness. Some of you are foodies and I see your Instagram stories of amazing looking food at cool restaurants all while I eat my PBJ sandwich. Um, You derive pleasure from the experience of food. I know that this is some of you people But I bet that most of you don't derive the same amount of pleasure from the experience of food that one of my friends does. I have a friend whose entire life revolves around food. She went to culinary school in France. She became an editor at a food magazine. She works with food all day long. She constantly experiments with recipes. She creates recipes that people follow online. She contributes to food blogs. She makes instructional videos. She understands the science and the psychology of the food and dining experience. Most of her posts on social media are centered around food. And she has spent most of her adult life thinking about food. Most of her adult life has revolved around making food, dishes. And she's made a living based off of food. Now, why would she do that? Why give more than half of your life to food? Such a basic thing. It's because she delights in food. She delights, she derives pleasure and joy from food and the dining experience. Is there anything like that in your life? If there is, then this is a faint reflection of the type of delight that God has for his son from all eternity God the Father has been setting his love upon the Son. God's heart beats with love for Jesus the Son and the servants. When Father looks at when the Father looks at the Son, there is an explosive joy in him. And there is something in God that says, "What I want more than anything is a relationship with the Son." And how deep is the Father's love for His Son? The verse contains a phrase that, I, that for me, as I, as I thought about it, it kind of caught me off guard. Um, it says, it doesn't say, "Behold, my servant in whom I delight." It says, "Behold, my servant in whom my soul delights." And I think that this is intentional. It's to express the depth of the delight felt by God. This text is communicating to us. The, the, the deepest part, that the deepest part of God is what is delighting in the servant. And this is, an Im- this is an image that's given to us. The deepest part of God its imagery because there are no gradations in the character of God. But this text wants us to feel the force of God's delight in His Son. The deepest, most innermost parts of the eternal God. Delighting and finding joy and pleasure in Jesus. Have you ever felt a deep connection with someone? You might say that this person has captured my heart or that this person uh, is my heart or that this person is my soulmate or that there is a deep soul resonance with this person. And if you say things like that, You're saying that the deepest, the most secrets, the most significant part of your being loves that person, that you're irresistibly drawn to that person, that there's nothing you love more than that person, that you're most happy and that you're most content with that person. You might even say that this person is central to who you are as a person. And this one verse is conveying what God feels toward his son. God cannot love anyone or anything more than he loves his son. Nothing brings God the Father greater pleasure and joy than Jesus. His relationship with his son is central to who he is. And this is what delight is. The soul of God beholds the son and delights in the son. This is deep and this is a mystery that we can only scratch the surface of. And why does God delight in his son? Some of you are parents. And you might remember the feeling when you looked at your children as your child or your children as, uh, when they were babies. Um, scientifically, what happens is there's dopamine released in your brain. Um, but just as a human experience... You feel something that you may not have ever felt for anything else in your life. Uh, Such a joy and a happiness that you feel when you look at your child. It's a, a tangible, electric type of joy. And why do you feel this? Why do you delight in them? You do it simply because they are your child. And this is a small picture of God's delight in His Son. God loves his son because he is his son he knows all of who Jesus is and what he sees is beautiful beyond description in the 1700s Jonathan Edwards preached a sermon entitled the excellency of Christ and this sermon the entire sermon was about the worth of of jesus christ why he is worth worshiping and in it he describes and this is a phrase in the sermon the admirable conjunction of the diverse excellencies in christ um, those are uh, words from the 1700s in today's language um, you might say this is the convergence of all the things that are uniquely true of jesus christ and if you look up the sermon online, all you have to do is Google uh, The Excellency of Christ, John, Jonathan Edwards. There, there's one section in this sermon that's um, it's just beautiful as it describes Jesus. I'm going to let you Google it. Um, and I will just, for the sake of uh, uh, understanding or simplicity, I'm going to give you John Piper's summary of this sermon And this is what he says. In Jesus Christ, meet infinite highness and infinite condescension, infinite justice and infinite grace, infinite glory and lowest humility, infinite majesty and transcendent meekness, deepest reverence toward God and equality with God, worthiness of good and the greatest patience under the suffering of evil, a great spirit of obedience and supreme dominion over heaven and earth absolute sovereignty and perfect resignation, self-sufficiency, and an entire trust and reliance on God. All the things that are good in the universe are found in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the most glorious, beautiful being that will ever exist. God the Father took pleasure in as the universe was made by Jesus and through Jesus. Jesus was the word and the wisdom of God in creation. Listen to Colossians 1. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. God delights in Jesus as he creates the universe. Jesus, the Bible tells us, is a name that's given above every name, Philippians 2.9. Hebrews 2.9 tells us that Jesus is crowned with honor and glory. Jesus is glorified by God in the presence of the Father And the the glory that he had before the world was made. This is John 17. Listen to Hebrews 1. Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. This is Jesus Christ. Beyond anything that we can imagine. And these are just mere words written on paper. This is all that I can say. This is all that the Bible can say. But this does not scratch the surface of the beauty and the goodness and the justice and the wisdom and the love of Jesus. And this is why God delights in his son. So much so that the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in him. This is what Colossians 1 tells us. The infinite, eternal God Looking, beholding the servant Jesus, delighting in Jesus. This is what has been happening for all eternity. It says something about the God that we worship. It says something about the Jesus that we sing to. What does it say about God? It says that God is a happy God. What I started with, it says, it says that there is a joy and a pleasure in God that never changes. God's character does not change. God is not threatened by the situations on earth. Wars or economic distress or pandemics or whatever is happening in your life. God is not threatened the tiniest bits of what happens here on earth. God's happiness is not contingent upon your love for him. Or your trust in him. God is not a temperamental God. He is not a facetious God. Or a felicitous God like we saw in Isaiah 41. God never changes. God's happiness is never degraded. Because he delights in his son Jesus Christ. Jesus who is the Alpha and Omega the Bible tells us. The beginning and the end. Jesus never changes, and that is what God sets his love upon. And if this is true of God, we can be certain that what God does is never out of malice, but out of wisdom and love. Again, God is not a temperamental God. He is a sovereign God who does all things well. He finds pleasure in all the things that he does. He does not depend on the good behavior of you or I. Psalm 115, our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. And I said this a few weeks ago, but God has no point of reference. God is who he is. He's the only truly objective being in the universe. And what does this say about God? It means that he does not depend on anyone to be who he is. When we say that God is love, it means that he has always been love. This is the only, the the Christian concept of God, this is the only uh, understanding of God that can explain how God is eternally a loving God. He's always been love. God did not need to wait around for humans to come around to start loving. God loves because he is love. And in the Trinitarian Godhead, He has always had an object to love. This is Jesus. In order for love to be an essential attribute of God, he had to have someone to love outside of creation. And he did. In the Trinity, the Father and Son, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, they were loving each other and delighting in each other and honoring each other. So, this is what it says about God unchanging and loving god is love and what then must he love he loves his son this is what it says in isaiah 42 verse verse 1. a couple weeks ago we said that god's greatest value is his own glory and today we say that his greatest delight is his son and this is where it comes together in hebrews 1 and john 1. what does it say about jesus it says that jesus is the glory of god Jesus is the exact imprint of his nature. Jesus is the face of God made known to us. God has always loved the Son. And what God does in this passage is an expression of what happens within the Godhead. Um, The giving of the Spirit, it tells us in this passage, verse 1, again, I have put my Spirit upon him, This is an expression of the love that the Father has for the servants. And then we see this happening in the New Testament at the baptism of Jesus. Matthew 3. If you remember the scene as Jesus is baptized, uh, the Spirit comes down as a dove upon Jesus. But before the Spirit comes down on Jesus, God says, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And there it is again. My beloved son, I take pleasure in him. The father loves the son. and He gives the spirit as an expression of his love. And it's in the power of the spirit that Jesus fulfills his ministry that is spoken of in Isaiah 42. And that relationship between the father and the son defined the ministry of Jesus. Listen to Matthew 11. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Jesus the Son carries out the will of the Father. God delights in His Son. God delights in what Jesus does. So what does this mean for us? This is the good news of the happy God. It means that God's love for Jesus is God's love for us. Listen to this passage. I read this a few weeks ago. I'm going to read it again from John 17, verses 24 through 26. And it is, uh, I think, amazing. If you can understand this fully, then your brain will explode. But listen to what Jesus is praying. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am To see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. This is a reference to what we're talking about. O righteous father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name and I will continue to make it known. That the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. This passage is telling us that as much as God the Father loves his son, that love belongs to us as well. This is the implication in this passage. God delights in his son, and he delights in you just as much as he delights in his son. How can that be? We cannot understand it. And yet our hope is found in this, that we are loved as much as God loves Jesus, God loves us. And because we're loved, our sins are forgiven by what Jesus did. We're righteous because of what Jesus has done. It's for the sake of the reputation of God. Again, remember, God cares about his glory more than anything. Our hope is found in that. It's because of that that we are saved. 1 John 2, I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. What does God love? God loves his glory. God loves his son. And it's for the sake of his name that he saves us. God is a happy God. Our hope is found in what God did as a happy God. He found his delight in Jesus. And so can we. So this is what it means for us, that we are loved beyond anything that we can comprehend. It also means this, that just as a spirit descended upon Jesus at his baptism, God gives us his spirit. Listen to Romans 5. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. If you belong to Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit working in you this is the same spirit that raised jesus from the dead and this is the spirit that will work in this church as we rise from the rubble of this past season and if we get this then we will value what god values if the spirit works in us we're going to care about what God cares about. We were saved by God through the work of Jesus so that we would delight in and enjoy Jesus. And from that delight in Jesus, we can serve out of a deep joy because Jesus is the greatest joy that there is. And if that can be true of us, that we find a joy and a delight in Jesus, then IGC can become a place where where we're more concerned about honoring Jesus and helping others see the beauty and goodness of Jesus than we are about building a church. So I know that this is what we're thinking about. Where are we headed as a church? How do we rebuild? Well, let me tell you, it should not be our goal to rebuild this church. Let me say it again. It should not be our goal to rebuild this church. It should be our goal to worship Jesus faithfully and tell people about Jesus and help them become more like Jesus. If Jesus is our delight and our joy, if he is who we worship, if he is who is if he is who the person we care about more than anything, then we can have a shot at this church being rebuilt. If our goal is to rebuild a church, for the sake of having a church, then we can just call it a day. Because really, we're just, there are other things you can do on a Sunday morning. But that is not our goal. Our church is not primarily a social club. We're not primarily a religious organization. We're not primarily a nonprofit 501 501c3. The church is a supernatural institution called by God to carry out the work of God that cannot be done by human efforts and willpower. So then, indelible Grace Church, how shall we fulfill our ministry? And this is how. We're going to do it in the power of the spirits, to the glory of God, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not just preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, but delighting in Jesus. What we love will determine what we do. Isaiah 42 What God does is determined by what he loves. And what we love will determine what we do as a church. How will we follow Jesus? By learning to love him, by finding our deepest joy and our pleasure in him. If this can be true of us, then we can serve with joy. What would our church look like if we all served out of a deep, joy and satisfaction in Jesus? Not good circumstances, but a joy. What if it was joy and delight that defined all our ministries? Because we need more than obligation to drive us. We're going to get burnt out quickly if it's just obligation that we do things out of. But what if it were out of It's a satisfaction and a joy and a happiness in Jesus. We need to delight in Jesus as the Father delights in his Son. That is difficult to do because how do you change a heart? How do you redirect a heart to love what it needs to love? Only the Spirit can do this. But there are things that we as a church can do to prepare for that. I mentioned earlier that i 'm going to share a little bit about uh, what we 're going to do next week as a church, and this is what we 're going to do. This is just one tiny step that we 're going to take as a church 're going on August third this is going to be wednesday we 're going to have a day of fasting and prayer. We did this uh, a couple times um, several months ago uh, we 're going to do it again. Next week, and this is going to be a Wednesday. It's going to be all day. And what is fasting? What is prayer? Fasting is us depriving ourselves. Um, the most uh, obvious thing is food. Um, it could be if you're not able to do food, this is something. Else, there's something else that you can fast from, maybe um, coffee or social media or whatever it is that your 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 mind is set upon often. Um, but we're going to do this as a church together. And next week we'll talk. We'll give more details. We're going to fast. We're going to pray. And during this time, during this day, we're going to focus on what we need to focus on as a church. So we're going to ask God to give us the leaders' vision and discernment and wisdom. We're going to ask God to heal this church if there are still wounds from this past season. If there is still trauma that needs to be addressed, we're going to ask God to heal our church. We're going to ask God to shape our church into a place where the members care for each other, where you guys care for the person sitting next to you. We're going to ask God for this place to be a place where we are sensitive to the spirits, where the spirit of God will work. We're going to get more direction and details about this, but this is what we're going to do as a church together, one of hopefully many, many steps that we'll take together as a church so that we can find our joy and delight in Christ. Listen to Psalm 27, um, verses 4 through 6. And I I want us to just think about this passage, maybe make it a prayer for us as we uh, desire to set our minds on Jesus. And this is what the psalmist writes. One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. This is what we'll be doing, is asking God that we may dwell in the house of the Lord, that we may gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. For he will hide me in the shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Fasting in prayer is not this somber, dark, gloomy thing. It's something that leads us to joy. And do you believe, I just see, that there are, is joy in this place now, and that there will be deeper and greater joy in the days to come. I think there is. This is why I do what I do. I could have left several months ago. You guys could have left several months ago. I know some of you guys are thinking about it, and that's fine if that's where God leads you. But I think that if we set our eyes on Christ, There's going to be so much good that that can happen in this church. So sing to the Lord a new song. There's one verse in today's passage that I didn't include in the previous five sermons. It's verse 10, and it says this. Sing to the Lord a new song, his praise from the ends of the earth. And this is the same command that was given in the call to worship. Sing to the Lord a new song. And why do we sing new songs? We sing new songs because we respond to what God has done and who he is. Why do we sing new songs? Because we've seen him do new things. And we learn more about who he is. And how do we sing a new song? How will IGC be a place where new songs are sung, not just literally, uh, when we sing these three songs before the sermon and one song after the sermon, um, not just in that sense, but how can we be a place where out of our hearts spring new words, new songs, new ways of praising God? How do we do that? It's by paying attention to what He's telling us in His Word, specifically in this passage, Isaiah 42. Come before him with your fears and your hurts and your traumas and your doubts and your sin and your anger and regrets and your pride and your joys and your worries and concerns and know that he will not break you. He will not snuff you out. There is good ahead of us. There is hopefulness for us and there is beauty for us. Behold the beautiful servant Jesus. Pay attention to the work of God, what he's doing through his spirits. For the sake of God's glory, indelible grace church, for the sake of the name and the reputation of God, let us worship Jesus well. Let us sacrifice for him. Let us serve his church well. Let us sing a new song. Will you pray with me? God, we, uh, uh, we're humbled that you speak to us. We're humbled that you reveal yourself to us because you could just leave us in our sin and in our darkness, but you do something about it. You give us the gospel. You give us each other. You give us your word and your Holy Spirit, God. And I pray that this place would be a place where those things come together for the good of your people and for your glory. God, make it true of us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.